0: Welcome to the NATO Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sajjan Gohel, and in this episode, I talk with Guillaume Sotomayor, a non-resident scholar at the Middle East Institute, who's based in Senegal. I discuss with Guillaume the insecurity in Niger and the wider picture in West Africa and the Sahel, as well as the role of the Russian private military company, the Wagner Group. Guillaume Sotomayor, warm welcome to NATO Deep Dive. Thank you, Dr. Gohal. We're going to talk a lot about events in West Africa today. Uh, let's start with Niger. Perhaps the most obvious question is why has there been a coup in Niger?
1: Thank you, Dr. Gowell. Um the, the question and the, re- the response to that question is multiple, and I think it's multidimensional. Um, the first thing I want to highlight here is that there is, of course, a number of Elements that have led to the coup that are interpersonal and interinstitutional, that are connected to networks of power within the Niger state. Um, and uh, I would say, like a clan within the army, within the top brass, that were um, quite angry and quite distant from Bazoom way of ruling, and uh, also fearful that he would try to oust them from their positions. And um, they were quite critical to the to, to its counterterrorism strategy as well, notably the liberation of a number of jihadists uh, in uh, the in, in the attempts that Basum was having to um, uh, obtain a ceasefire with the Islamic State. And the, the second dimension, which I think is the most important one, is that following the coup, the essential element is the popular support to it. And what we noticed, to the surprise of many, is that uh, the, the popular support to the coup was quite immediate quite strong throughout the country, and not only in Yame, the capital, where there is a tradition of political opposition towards the, the main political power, and why is that? Mainly because people are tired. People are tired of the kleptocratic, nepotic, corrupted governance system, which was incarnated by the main political party called the PMDS, uh, which was Besum and the former president um, political party, who had a grasp of a hold on the entire economy, political administration system. And I think that people now aspire to freedom, to another perspective, to another governance um, and to they want something new. And that that is what the uh, this kind of this aspirations that the coup leaders actually um, uh, responded. So those are those two factors, interpersonal and um, um, I would say, you know, like a, a, a tiredness a towards the governance system that in my view were the main um, push factors, uh, which allowed the success of this coup in
0: So if we factor in those uh, push factors that you uh, mentioned, why have there also been coups previously in Burkina Faso and Mali as well? Are there common traits or are there differences uh, in those countries?
1: Yeah, I think that the two elements I just mentioned, which was with respect to both uh, networks of power, uh, some political, some criminal sometimes. Um some, sometimes the the, the uh, ways of governing become so criminal that the two are uh, intrinsically linked, I would say. Um, and second, again, uh, an aspiration for, from the population for anything else that what has been proposed to them. Um, and and the, anything else can uh, be um, a religious governing system. It can be um an external governing system. It can be a pan-African governing system. Very often right now, it is a mix of all of this um that 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 transpires. and and what what is actually uh, also the truth is that there's been, again, a tiredness, uh, in terms of the security situation in most of these countries, um, population are, are, are tired to see that actually what have been presented to them as the solution um, uh, to, to their personal and family security issues that they would live in northern Mali or in northern Burkina Faso or in southeast Burkina Faso would be an external military intervention, namely a French military intervention or a, 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 UN uh, peacekeeping mission, well, those in 10 or 12 years of presence have failed to restore security. And naturally, the states of Burkina Faso and Mali have a massive uh, um, failure, have failed also in that regard. But um, the population now wants, again, something new. They want to try an alternative. And and I think so. There are definitely common traits uh, behind the success of this coup in these three countries.
0: How does this relate to these countries requesting French forces uh, to leave uh, their respective nations? Is there uh, a dynamic that's connected to all of this? Is this based on personal issues by the coup leaders? Uh, What are the reasons?
1: Naturally, this is a very complex issue, which uh, traces back to uh, the post-colonial times and uh, the military and political agreements that were signed between the French political power at the time with the newly independent states. Um, And those uh, agreements have actually uh, kind of ruled and uh, decided over the presence and gave a legitimacy of the presence of French military forces in this region to Um, guarantee a form of political and political stability and a security uh, and security for the populations all over the region. Um, Well, in in that regard, uh, the French security forces were quite naturally called in 2013 uh, with the Serval operation to deploy and stop the the jihadist expansion in Mali. Uh, and, And this intervention was quite well perceived at the time, um, because it was seen as kind of the national, the, the, the rational and the natural security guarantee uh, for, um, for, for, for the region and for the population. Well, this presence right now, again, has failed. Uh, in in its objectives despite what Bachan or the French military are trying to push in terms of narratives they were promising to the population and to the to the to the states uh in this region to stop the expansion and they failed to do so and it's not only their responsibility obviously but right now so the the again the presence has been long and the cooperation hasn't been ideal at always. Um, populations, again, have been extremely angry, and this is critically important to understand, in the lack of trans- what they perceive as being a lack of transparency and honesty in the communication of the French uh, politics or the French army with respect to their presence and to respect also to their military results or absence of military results. And I think that this communication and the uh, the absence of um, in in terms of, of of efficient line of communication between the population and the French army and the French uh, diplomacy system has been here the critical issue because they haven't seen that the population were just exhausted and again waiting for any occasion to try something new. They just want, it's not that they want Russia or that they want China or Turkey or anyone else. They just want to try something new to enhance their living condition. Uh, And and this is something that I think we should understand.
0: Sure. Well, I want to come back a little later to the role of some countries uh, in, in events in West Africa. But before I do that, if we look at it from a multilateral level, Is there anything that uh, ECOWAS or the African Union or the Organization for Islamic Countries can do in terms of resolving the tensions in the region that have been built up following the coup in Niger, but then also with the fact that countries like Burkina Faso and Mali have also threatened uh, action in case there's any intervention? So can, from a multilateral level, anything be done to... Alleviate the tensions.
1: This is uh, I am. Um, I would be very rich if I could answer this question. And um, my my point here is is twofold. First, we need to listen to the populations. We need to understand that they are new driving forces. That they are new elements that we need to respect. We need to understand that they want again mostly. Um, kind of a, it's kind of a revolution in a sense, you know, they want to reinvent the relationship of their own countries with external forces, deeming the fact that not only that this external presence from the UN, the European Union, even Russia, the United States or France, haven't been able to improve their living conditions, so that they also have a responsibility in terms of their own governing structures being inefficient and unable to provide public services. So they look at inter- external presence through this lens. The fact that uh, thanks to a certain economic or political support or geopolitical support or military support, their own inefficient um, um, rulers, have been able to stay and to continue to embezzle public resources and to to live on their back, basically. And so right now, uh, there is not only an anger, there is also a hope, there is a hope for something new. And any counter reaction to that, any reaction that would actually criticize them for these aspirations would be very harshly uh, felt naturally. And so we see a lot of uh, reactions in terms of whenever the janta or uh, the the military, the, the the coup leaders are being criticised, people actually feel that their aspirations are also being criticised. So I think when right now there is a question of kind of analytical metrics, there is a language, there is a diplomatic approach that needs to be renewed. So there is right now. I think that the job number one from external forces, from any international institutions or bilateral partners is a really strong introspection. Um, And from that, after this this thorough introspection start to build a new relationship from scratch. Um, And I think that's right now the actually the only way forward. And the second element, perhaps, uh, the, the the second element naturally is to try to alleviate or at least to lower the diplomatic rivalries that we are seeing throughout also the region and throughout, you know, the main, between the main um, actors, geopolitical actors present in this region, uh, which I think are actually in increasing the tensions, rather than lowering them in this region.
0: So you talked about um, geopolitical rivalries uh, and actors in uh, the region. This brings me to my next question, which is that there's been a lot of talk about the role of the Russian private military company, the Wagner Group. Um, They are active in a lot of these countries that we have been discussing. Uh, how much of a role does the Wagner Group play when it comes to these military coups? And in connection to that, how important is the Russian angle?
1: Thank you. I think it's um, you, you, you are mentioning critically important points here. First, because we actually talk too much about the Wagner Group. We put too much emphasis on their importance. It doesn't mean that they are insignificant, naturally. It doesn't mean that Russia isn't an actor present in this region. It doesn't mean that Russia, which I think it did, exploited brilliantly the weaknesses of the of their geopolitical rivals' presence and what is perceived as being the absence of results, and that they manipulated wonderfully, or exploited rather, ma- m- wonderfully the um, the anger, the, the the political distress, and the political void that was in front of them. And so they, I think that Russia isn't perceived as the savior. Russia is perceived as an alternative, and it managed to uh, introduce itself as an alternative on not only a military level, and this is critically important. It also managed to introduce itself as an alternative on a moral level ideological and political level. So it it was also, it branded itself as, you know, an um, anti-Western democracies, Western values, Western ethics and political priorities force. In the sense that it is also anti-gender policies, to give a concrete example, that it is uh, um, anti-LGBTQ plus um, policies, that it is um, also anti-external military inter- interventions um, in its tradition, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That is also paternalistic um. um regime. And so it created many bonds on several levels, and it was extremely clever in the way he did so. So they just reinvented the relationship. And in that sense, I wouldn't say that, you know, Russia was, um, as it was presented sometime, the instigator of the coups. This is absolutely wrong. And I think it is also diminishing what is actually going on in West African societies and in this population in terms of political conscious of social um yeah of, of social engagement etc etc you know we by putting the primary primary responsibility on Russia we are actually being lazy in trying to understand what is really going on in these societies. It is very easy to pull all the blame on Russia and naturally they're responsible on many things and they put it, you know, fuel on the fire on many occasions, but they're not a the primary responsibility. Uh, and so I think we should be, again, quite nuanced here. And I think that by putting an over-focus on Russia, we are paradoxically giving a legitimacy uh, to many of the coup supporters uh, in, in, their, in their narratives. Because actually, by putting this this emphasis, we are saying to them, well, whenever you choose actually to be independent, whenever you choose a partner with, you know, we are actually going to fight it with every mean at our disposal. So when you are being truly independent, we are actually going to push against it for, naturally, what is perceived as being Western interests. So I think this is the wrong strategy on every account and I think we should be very cautious in the way we put again an overemphasis on Russian presence which is real and they are uh, doing you know conducting a lot of um, terrible uh, military operations and massacres and they are increasing inter ethnical inter-community tensions in the region and they are uh, embezzling natural resources and conducting criminal activities etc but again they are not reason why we're here today.
0: In our discussion, it's becoming quite clear that you are talking about understanding the ground realities, and by not understanding it, it can actually be uh, counterproductive, uh, and that if one doesn't understand the the ground realities, then it could actually conversely become uh, very negative, and it can then be exploited uh, by other countries who may not necessarily have instigated it but then benefit from the the falling out of of the situation like uh, russia and and the wagner group that you mentioned if we look at another country that has been active and present in uh, west africa china where does china stand when it comes to all these events in uh, west africa
1: china is brilliantly china is brilliantly silent when it comes to all of these events um They are in their traditional, you know, diplomatic stance against an external military intervention, Um, but they are brilliantly silent, as is Turkey, as uh, as are also Gulf states, and many also, India or Brazil, other, you know, large external powers that are increasingly present um, across the African continent. And what we can see here is again the reinvention of um geopolitical power of geopolitical sorry uh, struggles and attitudes towards africa and towards several of the different regions of africa and and i think that yeah china for as we discussed you know over and over the russian presence and the wagner presence is pushing its agenda, is present, is you know, uh, extremely efficient on all accounts, uh, as are many other actors that I just mentioned, as is India, as is uh, Brazil or Turkey. Um, and so again, I think we are not looking right at the situation um, and we need to understand that as any other continent around the globe, we we are as seeing the you know the presence and the influence of many different actors, and we need to take into consideration all of it and not just the one that actually matter to us.
0: If we address the role of uh, non-state actors, so the one of the challenges that often gets neglected is the fact that you have both. Al-Qaeda and ISIS affiliates that operate in uh, West Africa, which has been one of the reasons why there's been so much international troop presence there in terms of it being advisors working in the background, helping frontline operations. Do the coups, the military coups that have taken place, do they contribute to the instability in the region, which then aids entities uh, such as groups tied to ISIS, tied to uh, Al-Qaeda, do the jihadist entities benefit from the melee that uh, these coups produce?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Um, I think that it will benefit jihadist groups on many, many accounts on many levels. Um, the the first, naturally, is that uh, despite all the critics that we, we can have against them, um, the French... Uh, military troops uh, or, or the Americans and, and the other partner partners have been by far the most efficient fighting these jihadi groups in the ground, um, killing some of their leaders uh, on several accounts, um, affecting their financial resources, they're recruiting, uh, uh, they're, they're recruiting um, patents, and um, so of course the, the the absence of French military troops or uh, or the retreat of uh, the UN or many other uh, external military presence will have an effect uh, on the capacity of these jihadic groups to expand. We have seen that already in the Gao and Menaka region, which are in the northeast of Mali. When the French departed, um, these regions which had been cleared partly, at least, of jihadi presence for some time, have been reconquered by the Islamic State uh, in the Sahara, in, in the Sahel, sorry, in the Islamic State in the Sahel, in six months. Um, so it is very likely, and it's not the only factor, naturally, but it is among those that would facilitate their expansion. The second element, naturally, is that Uh, the most the the countries, those countries are unstable, the most they actually suffer from the absence of external aid, for instance, Uh, the more uh, dissensions there are between several parts of the country, on a political or social level, the more the jihadist alternative ideological offer, and this is really important, They are not only military actors, They are, these non-state actors are, governing actors, right? Proper, they propose, they offer to population an alternative governing system, an alternative justice system, an alternative security system or education system very often. So the, the, they will be considered as being the stability. They, be, they will actually be the the most secured option for many population, for many communities across the region. And, and in that regard, yes, it is the most unstable the political and social situation is, the most you know, room they will have to diffuse their narrative and to uh, legitimize their uh, their kind of governing uh, proposition, the governing offer uh, to the population. I think that yes, it will on on all of these accounts lead to um, to to the to this jihadi group's expansion. Uh, in Niger and Burkina Faso, and in Mali, where actually in Mali and Burkina Faso, 60%, two thirds of the territory are obj- already under their control. So uh, the situation is dire in that regard, and the humanitarian situation even more, because at the end of the day, it is the communities that suffer from it and not you know, the governing structures.
0: Interesting that you mentioned the fact that a lot of these uh, jihadist entities operate almost as proto states in the areas that they influence and, and control, and in many ways that's part of the safe bases strategy that the last leader of Al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawari, had advocated, which was building local ties, marrying into families, okay. earning trust, uh, and and then using that um, as an important asset to enhance their roots in, in these places. So that's only going to continue, potentially, if there's more instability. Um, A final question, uh, Guillaume. Uh, A lot of this you've been talking about in our um, discussion, and some of this we also were having a chat uh, offline as well, but I wanted to bring it into our discussion right now, is that why should events in West Africa matter to us? Very often, many people, they'll talk about situation in the Middle East or North Africa or Afghanistan, Pakistan. Events in sub Saharan Africa, from the Sahel, Western Africa, they don't necessarily get as much uh, attention. And sometimes there is a perception, and it's a wrong perception, that it doesn't concern us. It's not going to necessarily impact on us. But clearly, it does have knock on effects. Could you explain and expand on why this is so important for us to be paying attention to?
1: It, I'm again this 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 question is is great because it um I actually would like to highlight here several things that um, truly truly matter to me even on personal levels. I've been living in this region for uh, almost 10 years now back, in, back in and back and forth uh, and or working in this region. And I think first that we are not understanding how, of course we will have my first answer to you would be how this region is important on um, economical level uh, that this is the obvious reason you know like um it has a considerable amount of natural resources it has a considerable amount of innovation capacity um on technological level on uh on educational level It is the place where I think the world of tomorrow will be invented, if I'm being honest with you. Um, It is naturally important on a demographic level because it is one of the youngest population on earth and that in our regard, again, this is where uh, the world of tomorrow might be invented. And if this population continues suffering so much from, uh, again, a, a large flurry of Political and, and and social struggles, the more it will impact us. And the, the natural link that people could see between uh, this region and Europe or even the United States more and more actually is immigration. And um, and of course, um, with respect to the incapacity of of many Western societies to uh, integrate, but also to welcome. Uh, asylum seekers and refugees, uh, migrants in in um, uh, respectful manners, and in, it it is and all of the political tensions that is linked to it, uh, we can see how much also it impacts uh, the situation in West Africa, impact Europe on again on internal political dimension, and we see that backwards because the more the time uh, the, the you know years after years the european union for instance has been increasingly spending money on trying to um alleviate or to reduce migration flows originating from western central africa to europe right and that money actually in in my view has been um could be quite criticized in the way it has been spent because again it has been um, in as most of the money in international aid money we've been spending in this region in some regards, uh, we could be doubtful on the actual effect and impact it had to enhance the living conditions of the population, whereas actually it might have quite strongly benefited to a small political and social elite in this population. And that, I think, is the last dimension I would like to highlight i could highlight to you you know how much also this region means on uh, security matters because um as we know, you know, Africa is the new priority for the Islamic State for quite some time now. Uh, it is the place where they're being, it is the continent where they're being the most active, being in Mozambique, in the Congo, in northern Nigeria, especially, and now in Sahel as well. Um, and it is a place where they're naturally interconnected, extremely powerful and technological, financial and operational levels. And it is very, very likely that at some point they will use this basis to conduct action a little bit further than these territories, right? Uh, the Al-Qaeda has been present in this region for 20 years. They've been anchored, again, as you mentioned, uh, extremely uh, on, on on a very important point. On, they've been anchored socially following al-Zawiri and other Al-Qaeda leaders' uh, instructions. For um, They've been really melted and and embedded within local societies. And, and so it would be very difficult to actually uh, force them out. Um, and, and naturally also we could speak on criminal levels because organized crime in this region is is exploding and is thriving. Um, we, we can see naturally drug trafficking, but not only natural resources trafficking, is huge cigarette trafficking, counterfeit medicine. Um, and those have massive impact on local population, but the more also these criminal networks are being reinforced, the more they are actually also powerful in South America, in Europe or in Asia, right? Because it is one of the places where they will get resources from. Um, so naturally all of this is interconnected. But the last point I would like to mention here is highly political, um, In Africa, in West Africa especially, has been very often, in my view, um, kind of a premonition to what would come to other places. It is a a place on earth for at least the last 30 years, which have seen, you know, such a rapid evolution of these political systems. Uh, liberalization in the 90s of its political and media and, and of its societies uh, a massive economic development but it also has been you know suffering the consequences of the structural adjustment programs in the 80s and the 90s stronger than any region on earth um it is a it is a place where a lot of things are being reinvented it is a place where um again um, traditional um lines uh, of uh, traditional, sorry, um, um, sorry, I'm trying to find my words here. Uh, uh, the uh, I would say, you know, tribal, family, clanic um, um solidarities and lines of comprehension of society do still matter a lot, where religion is key, where um, people are highly capitalistic in many ways. Uh, there is a lot of dimension what are again Pan-African but also sometimes very nationalistic what I mean with all of this is that these societies are being reinvented in front of our own eyes it is both the end of a certain in my view of a certain ruling system that people are absolutely tired of and also the reinvention of a new one that could emerge from it either we are going to be out of it or we are going to be you know, supporting it or part of the story. But there I, I think there is hardly going to be a way in between. and 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 I think that right now, a lot of researchers as well should understand that the institution institutional lens isn't the only one. We shouldn't always look at societies in on the way, you know, government function or talking only, to the ruling party or the opposition party, right? I think that right now, what matters is that again, societies are being completely reinvented. So we need also to reinvent the way we understand them and talk to them and try to uh, cooperate with them and support them in whatever they want to do. Um, And it it is the same for the military presence, actually. The military cooperation, is pretty much what all of the Jantas have been saying. They want to reinvent the military cooperation. They don't want, to stop the cooperation with the French or to stop the cooperation with the American. They want just to build another balance. And, and I think that right now, the the this is why this region is so interesting uh, and so important. It's because I think a lot of what's going to come is going to be decided there and invented there.
0: Well, these are such important dimensions that you've brought in and um, you really provided a tour de force of the ground realities of what has been taking place in uh, West Africa. So let me just thank you uh, again, uh, Guillaume, for joining us on NATO Deep Dive and hope to have you back in the future to provide us with more updates as to what is transpiring in that region.
1: Thank you very much. It was my honor and my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of NATO Deep Dive, brought to you by NATO's Defense Education Enhancement Programme. My producers are Marcus Andriopoulos and Victoria Jones. For additional content, including full transcripts of each episode, please visit deepportal.hq.nato.int. deepdive Please note that the views, information, or opinions expressed in the NATO Deep Dive series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of NATO or DEEP.